We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very late night edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. It's just before midnight on Thursday night, January 26th. Dallas Mavericks just uh, pulled off a heck of a victory against the Phoenix Suns, 99 to 95. Josh, how are you? And I, I think you need to tell the story of of you calling this game about 12 hours ago to lead the show so i i I feel like and and you know this too because you host the live show so you have a very good pulse on at least what the fandom online is feeling It, it feels like that washington loss was the breaking point for a lot of people um, oh yeah <clears throat> and messages feel- i got after my rants ooh not good yeah and i i feel like People were like, even the people that don't get angry were getting angry, whether they were angry at the Mavs for losing, whether they were angry at you for your criticisms or or us for our criticisms. Like everyone was pretty upset. Even people we know messaged you, you know, people that that don't get mad were mad. That's kind of the way I was thinking about this. Right. So knowing that and knowing how ridiculous that this Mavericks team is, and knowing that they are the perpetual discourse team and that they will make everyone argue and they will do the exact opposite of what you think they're going to do because it's happened a lot this season. So knowing that already and then looking at the matchup and looking at the Suns and realizing that, like, yeah, the Suns had won four in a row, but their offense is still terrible. They've won four in a row because their defense has been really good. And looking at the Mavericks, their offense has actually been really good during this losing run. Their defense has just been putrid. And the Suns don't put pressure on the rim. They shoot a lot of jumpers. They shoot a lot of floaters. Uh, they shoot a lot of mid-range. Um, they shoot more threes, I think, than they normally do. But they're still they're a jump-shooting team uh, without Devin Booker. And I just kind of looked at this, and I was like, wow. Um, you know, the Mavericks could still lose this game. But they could easily win this because they could get 
you know, I know the defense is in shambles, but they could get a win just from an outlier shooting performance because at a certain point, you know, if you're playing a team that doesn't put pressure on the rim and shoots a bunch of jumpers, it doesn't matter how bad your defense is. The other team could just miss shots regardless, and you're going to have a chance to win the game. Well, and um, we haven't even mentioned kind of the, the key special sauce in this one, which makes it all the more really truly yeah. impressive, is Luka Doncic went down with a, I'm pretty sure it was a right ankle sprain, which if you watch him play closely, his ankles are, you know, this is a stupid statement. Ankles are very important to basketball. But like how Luka plays when his ankles aren't right, it changes a lot. And it was a like, it was an ugly looking sprain. Uh Similar, it, it, it didn't even look him. like a sprain. I mean, he didn't even roll it. I, I don't even know. I see, I saw his right foot roll forward, like him, okay. his body weight went over his foot, but okay. he was posting up and plant. It was a very odd thing. And you know, for Luke, I don't think Luca came back to the bench. No, he um, went straight to the locker room, but no, I don't think he came back to the, to the bench oh, even after right, he right. rolled out. He didn't, and and that is something I don't really remember seeing. So it was, it really put a damper on the game. And what the Mavericks did, and really more specifically what Spencer Dinwiddie did, <laughs> was really, really impressive. I mean, Spencer, I was really, really mad at Spencer's postgame quote. I take none of what I said back because I was correct. Like, he went on this LeBron James-level soliloquy. You should, you guys should see the full quote. It's like two straight minutes of talking from Spencer on Tuesday night, and it was excuses. What we saw tonight was nothing but action. I mean, he shot the hell out of the ball, four for no, five from six from three, and then really, you know, he he, he played the Luca role very, 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 very well. And, Which and is I shocking guess, because yeah. when he's been the only point guard when Luca's on the bench, he has not done that very well. No. And it's it's it it was obviously a collective team effort. I mean, yeah. the Suns. Well, let's come back to the Suns. Let's praise our team more first yeah. because that that's the key. You know, you got a lot of really surprising play, uh, effective play. Dwight Powell came up huge in the fourth quarter when the Suns were making making like a really close effort. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith probably played one of his best games of the year. With Luka out, somebody had to grab the rebounds, and the Mavericks did a fantastic job with team rebounding. Yes, they got out-rebounded. They got out-rebounded by one. (laughs) uh, I'm seeing 50 to 43. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I'm looking at defensive rebounds. Sure, but the defensive rebounds. Yeah, I mean, they, they gave up a few more offensive boards, but that's to be kind of expected with the size that the Mavericks put out there, which is to say they didn't put size out there. Um, and because Dorian Finney-Smith played a lot of five. It was it was just a yeah. really, really impressive performance from him. Uh, the Mavericks escaped with a, with a shoddy Tim Hardaway shooting performance, but he grabbed nine boards. I mean, they did. A lot of guys were doing little things. I mean, Bullock, who's the master of like the 0-0-0 lineup, he... He had grabbed two offensive boards. I mean, those things ended up really mattering over the course of the game uh, because the Suns, like the Mavericks got up and then the Suns kept coming and then the Mavericks would answer. And like that was the part that was really interesting for me because with the Luka games that we've seen, the Mavericks fold a hell of a lot and let teams back in it. And it's more of a seesaw, whereas the Mavericks just kept punching 
Phoenix right in the mouth. And it was, it was just, it was rewarding to watch. Yeah. There were like five moments where you could have been like, okay, this is where they're going to lose the game. This is yep. where they're going to run out of steam. And they, they don't have Luca. Yeah, they never did. I don't think the Suns led. I think once the Mavericks got that lead in the second quarter, I don't think the Suns led for the rest. I don't think the Suns had a lead for the rest of the game. I think um, that's right. Which is really impressive and kind of harkens back to uh, the playoffs. Remember those playoff wins? They would just get the lead and they never, uh, and they well, never turned back. It was really funny. Um, there, there's one. There's one set of stats that I think are at least worth acknowledging. But I don't like this. Is, I don't mean this, and I to take anything away from this victory. If anything, I mean it because I want to sort of talk about the Suns for a second. If DeAndre Ayton did not totally suck and wasn't Charmin soft, the Suns win. He put up 19 and 20, so 19 points and 20 rebounds. And if you're waking up in the morning, you're like, Kirk, what are you talking about, Charmin Soft? The man shot 6 of 20 from the floor over Dorian and Dwight Powell. I'm sorry. That's terrible. And how many of those were jump hooks in the paint? He missed that awful, that alley-oop point blank where he just spiked it off the backboard. He just shot it over. I mean, he could have dumped it. It was like watching a high school kid that's still figuring out his body. He's too, he's re, like DeAndre Ayton is an extremely talented player. Extreme. He, he just, you know, it's a crappy situation because the Suns didn't really want him. He didn't want to stay with the Suns, but with restricted free agency, right. you sometimes don't have a choice. So this is so much like a marriage of convenience and they're just games where it doesn't work. I mean, he and the head coach, Monty Williams, do not speak to each other. And that much was evident. Like Monty during one of the timeouts was basically like, this guy needs to be mentally tougher. And he's right. But what, you know, if you're in an impasse in a relationship, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, you're right. A lot of it's, it's a, it's a symbiotic kind of failure. Uh, It's like how Carlisle used to treat players that he didn't like, where it's just like, what are you going to do? Right. And it's at that point, it's like, why, why do you even have, like, mm-hmm. you just have to bite the bullet and trade him. Like they should have traded him. Uh, I don't know what they could get for him. I think the thing that bit them in the butt is I think they, I think they really thought they were going to trade for Kevin Durant yep. in the summer. And, and they thought they were going to be able to trade Aiton and that would solve their problems. And when they couldn't do that deal, they probably were like, well, we can't, we can't sell low. And, and yeah. then they just kind of went into the season. Now they've got this weird, it's like a well, it's like a couple that doesn't know they need to get divorced. It's just And then what awkward. you were talking about earlier in terms of the jump shooting, when they're missing yeah. Devin Booker, their attacking is just like he's the guy who attacks. Like Chris right. Paul on occasion, but that's pretty much it. I mean, who else do they? I guess Bridges could do a little bit more, but that dude has gotten a little little big for his britches this season. Like he caused them, he got a technical foul that just didn't need to happen and really like arguably kind of got the Mavericks going. Yeah. When you look at this lineup without Booker, like no one, like you're not scared of anyone beating you at the rim. Yeah. Uh, you know, they had, uh, I'm looking at the shot chart. They only had 21 shots uh, at the rim. They had 22 shots in the paint outside the restricted area, uh, which which, I mean, that just goes to show they just have guys that just can't get all the way to the bucket, mm-hmm. you know? Like, they mm-hmm. just – they they dribble and they get to the free throw line and it's like, oh, we haven't beat our guy. I guess I'll just shoot a little eight-footer or a floater. Yeah. Uh, and that's – and think about the Mavericks' defense the last month. Like, what has killed them? A dribble yep. penetration and teams that put pressure on you on the rim. And you look at some of the teams they play. The Wizards get to the rim a lot. The Thunder get to the rim a lot. 
you know, Atlanta has two really good guards that get to the rim. The Clippers have Hawaii and Paul George and Norman Powell. So, like, this this matchup really couldn't have come at a perfect time, despite the fact that it starts a stretch of games that we're all super concerned about. But, I mean, it really, I mean, it really worked out. It was really, I really felt it. I was like, you know, if the Sun, it's going to be very possible for the Suns to just miss all those jumpers and the Mavericks to win, even if the defense stinks. And to be honest, like, I don't even know, like, they they played hard. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say this was like a dominant defensive performance. It just, the Suns are a crappy offense and the Mavericks kind of just did what they needed to do. Uh, and they scored just enough points. And we probably need to now talk about the Luca thing, yeah. <laughs> Luca not playing and what this looked like without him. Well, the speed of the game obviously increased yes. a great deal. Uh, everybody pushing more. And a lot of that is credit to Dinwiddie. Um, mm-hmm. Also, interestingly enough somebody who we should circle back to josh green and i don't there's a couple of things i don't understand about this like number one reggie bullock was doing more off ball movement and cutting to the (laughs) basket than he does in a game ever and that is not a product like like that's i don't understand that that's not it's not like reggie's like oh i should move now there's just like there's some stuff that the mavericks can do differently and and then there's also just kind of it's not like a discussion we have to have about Luca because the Mavericks <laughs> half court offense is like unnaturally amazing when Luca's running things, but right. there's just times when it bogs down. Like like um John Morant and the and the the Grizzlies had like a stinker at the end of the game against the Warriors last night, and I a lot of people are like oh this looks because I, I just basically said I want the Grizzlies for the playoffs. A lot of people are saying, well, that's the Mavericks' offense, like that's what they do. And I'm like, yeah, but they don't have Luca, okay? Like it, Luca is the point. But there's a real argument to be made that in the grind of an 82 game season, a lot of what Luca does can take the air out of everybody else, and they just got to find a way to push more. It's not the yep. coaching; it is Luca Doncic. We have five yeah, years be- now. Yeah, and two different coaching staffs, and yeah. it's been the same. They got to push more, and they got to figure out a way. You know, Spencer. You know, I wonder if they're just spooked about it because of how bad Spencer was up until tonight as the lone point guard without Luke on the been. floor. That's the he, thing. I saw some weird tweets where it's like, "I've been telling y'all how good Spencer is if you just give him the ball," and it's like, and yeah, the Mavs' offense has been. Awful, but Spencer he's had is times, yeah, it's, it just doesn't work because it's like him and Christian Wood running. That's, I mean, that comes back to like Dallas not running the off, like running yeah. an offense. Like even tonight, yeah. they were running like they were running Spain pick and roll stuff and nothing else. Like they were just <laughs> that. It's it's that is is gonna catch up with them. Like that's that's the yeah. Suns being Garbo more than and it's not Mavericks being good. And it's not like the Mavericks' offense was incredible tonight. I mean, they no. they made their threes. Yeah, yeah, you know, Spencer. They were 13 to 34 from three, which was pretty good, but they only shot 40. You know, they were bad on twos because yeah. everyone else was pretty bad on twos. You know, Spencer was five of six from three. No one else was really good from three. You know, Josh Green was one of two, mm-hmm. but after Spencer, Bullock, two of eight, Dorian, three of 10, Hardaway, two of six. So, like, Spencer is the reason why they shot above that, you know, a decent percentage from three. So, you know, but guys made shot. Like, Dorian, Dorian had four two point field goals, which is. Yep. Feels like more than he's had in the last week. (laughs) Yeah. Like, go look at Dorian's game log, and you look at his threes, and you look at his overall field. Like, he just – his two-pointers are just not there. Like, and that used to be the last couple of seasons, he got really good at cutting and finishing at the rim and maybe even being, like, a little 
uh, screen setter and, and, and rim runner. Um, like he got really good at that playing off Luca. And for whatever reason this year, uh, it just hasn't been there. Like I'm looking it up right now. Uh, he's shooting 55% on twos, which isn't like horrible, but it's the lowest mark since Luca's rookie year. Um, right. So, and he's shooting the least amount of twos per game since his, since his rookie year. Um, <laughs> I mean, that just goes to show you like that there's just something a little off there. Um, so yeah. like for him to do that, for him to be, to shoot, I mean, he, what, he was four or six inside the three point line. Like that was huge. Um, and, and yeah, there's something to, I, like you said, like Bullock cutting and, and getting that layup. You're like, where is that when Luca plays? Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's that's weird. And then obviously, the the pace is self explanatory. The other I mean, thing they can't I think, keep that up. Like that, yeah. that it it's, it'll surprise a team like the Suns. And frankly, if Luca's out, they need to keep trying because that's that's their best bet. But yeah. there's things they can do with Luca, yeah. like that. Yeah, and what I what I think they need to figure out with Luca and this is going to be it doesn't matter who's on the roster they have to figure this out is they got to find a way like this all controlling Luca offense which is obviously like producing results and and again the Mavericks offense was not great but I think they need to find like a little bit of a balance because the problem is with the way Luca plays offense and you mentioned this online a really good point you made during the game with the way the Mavericks run offense and the way they run their offense through Luca. Like we all complain, like why, why doesn't Luca do more off ball? Oh, it's because he, he can't because the three possessions he gets per game uh, when he's not controlling the ball, like he's using that opportunity to risk because he plays forty minutes a night and he has to do everything on offense. And it's like, how can you ask that guy for the couple possessions he isn't controlling it to cut and screen uh, and and run off screens and, and do stuff like that? Like it's just. If you can't expect that it's not sustainable like you're work- but but they have to figure out a way to get luca to do that and and manage the offensive burden like they they, they just have to figure it out and uh, there's got to be a balance between luca doing everything and then kind of what we saw like you look at spencer and you're like okay can they can they take what spencer did tonight whenever luke is healthy and and try to bleed this into when luke is back and and just figure out a way so that Luca doesn't have a 38 usage and so that Luca, when he's on the floor, he can cut and he can, he can set screens. Cause God damn, he will be an awesome off ball player when he actually does it. Like he is so skilled and so talented with passing and, and, and his size, like to set screens, like they will be so, they will be such a better team about it. So it's, I don't know if it's chicken and egg. I don't know if it's because like, Hey, this was a good Spencer game, but is he going to keep it up in terms of running the offense? Like, do they need another legitimate talent for Luca to do that like I don't I don't know what it is but th- they have to figure out a way and I feel like this game was a little indicative of that again nothing against Luca because they scored 99 points uh they only had one 30 point quarter and again everyone outside of of Spencer uh and and Powell and Dorian kind of crapped the bet offensively so it's like obviously the Mavericks need to do this to have a good offense it's not like the offense was better without Luca but I feel like there's just things that well, they could do going forward there's, to make things easier. Someone also mentioned this to me. Someone sent me a message. Can't remember who. I got a lot of messages the past 24 hours. I'm sure someone did. someone sent me a message saying it looks like kid is coaching more with Luca out, like being more active from the bench. I did not notice that, but what I like, can believe some, it. <laughs> some of the this comes back to the Mavericks treating Luca 
with an element of kid gloves. Like he hasn't been coached hard his entire life. He is a self, like, like he's described himself as difficult to play with. He probably understands he's difficult to coach, but he probably wants to be coached hard. Like he didn't get along with Rick by the end. You're going to have a, like, this is the other thing the Mavericks need to come to grips with. You are going to have a shorter shelf life on coaches and relationships with Luka Doncic as your superstar than Dirk Nowitzki. I'm sorry. He is a tough competitor. That sort of thing burns. You know, you can still like, like respect and get along with people and know that you need to move on in a relationship that happens. And a lot of what Cuban does from, and I think this is actually admirable is he wants people to be Mavs for life. I like that as a concept. But that's really hard to do in a competitive environment. And I think everyone needs to kind of lighten up, not lighten up, that's not what I mean, but basically like stop acting like we're on eggshells around Luca <laughs> and push him to do some stuff. Push him to be off ball in a way that's interesting for him. He has been doing off ball stuff lately. It's it just becomes there's at least like there's been one possession every game, probably the last five where he's done something really interesting off ball. And I don't mean like posting up. I mean like moving without the ball. Right. And then in the same game, he'll go stand in the corner and put his hands on his knees. You've right. got to exert more pressure on him and have him do more of the former and less of the latter. Because when he puts his hands on his knees, teams know he's not getting the ball. Like this shit's scouted by now. Yeah, you're right. And, and you wonder if it's like the coaching staff is on it. Like you said, they're on eggshells. With well, Luca, in terms of how to coach him, and with without him, like you know, they don't mind coaching Dorian Hard. He's not a, hard. like I. I don't particularly like kid as a coach. That much is established. But one thing he is not is stupid. He knows not, where yeah. his bre- he knows where his bread is buttered, and he probably also knows he has a limited amount of like game to game, weekend week out, month to month, where it's like your superstar is only going to hear so much shit from you. Like that was Carlisle. Carlisle hit, like ran out of that fuse pretty early and then realized yeah. it and was like, well, I got to be nice now. Well, so it's just like, I understand this stuff is difficult. It's just, it's it's been on my mind when he's out because it's like he's being more animated. He was doing more coaching. And dude, I mean, kid knows because he was that. Like, yes, he, That's true. he ran Avery Johnson. He got Avery Johnson fired when he got here. Um, he wanted, he didn't get along with Rick when Rick got hired here. Like they kind of had to patch things out. Like he knows this because he was that when he was yeah. a player. It's the same kind of thing where you, you just feel like your level of basketball intelligence is just above everyone else's. And like with kid and Lucas, it probably is like, like you said, it's hard to, you know, they're savants and then you have to, it's, it can be hard, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I get it, but yeah, you're right. They need to figure something out. And then another big thing I noticed, and this is something that Luca can work on uh, regardless uh, of who the coach is, but um, the defensive intensity and just the energy level. Um, we've both commented on this. Like there are just some games where the first quarter, like Luca is just not mentally in the game. And he's either slow start or his defense is just not there. And again, defense might not be there because of the offensive burden they're asking of him. But like we've seen games where we've been like, like what was Luca doing for the first like eight minutes? Like I don't understand. And why like the Mavs got off to a bad start because again, he's the head. He's the head of the snake, and everyone falls behind him. So he went out, and honestly, he didn't start this game. I mean, he only played three minutes, but he missed both his shots. Uh, the team got down to a pretty bad – the Suns scored a bunch 
in his three minutes. I think they scored on most of their possessions when Luca was out there. And then he he leaves the game and like there's just the energy change in terms of like I don't know. Like you know what I mean? Like there wasn't a lot of ref chirping, you know, like there wasn't a lot of like heads down, like and again that a lot of that is on Luca. Like yep. I mean I have to admit, watching this game, it was nice to watch a Mavericks team play a full game without like watching guys turn a four, a, a, a fast break into a four and five because they're mm. they're still in the backcourt arguing with an official. Like none of those guys did that. Um, and again, I, I don't want this to be like a Luca bashing. No, like, no, but it's it's a differences in thing. It's like the the team has a very low ceiling with Luca out, a right. very low ceiling. It's just that he. He helps raise that ceiling, and for as unbelievable as his play has been this season, we are at the point in the slog where the, you know, and frankly, with just how many miscues the Mavericks have had. I mean, my freak out last game was really, like, it, it's just, it's some of the things they did that they they played harder this game. I, I it's tough. It's, uh, I, I'm, and again, how much of that is because Luca's playing 40 minutes a night and has yeah. to score 45 points every game for them to win? So, 100%. It's like, yeah. So, like, again, I'm not trying to dog Luca, but it's just, you know, I feel like with him, the growth that's, you know, because he's 23. So, like, yep. he's not a finished product. And I nope. feel like the growth with him isn't going to be on the basketball court. It's going to be the stuff behind the scenes, stuff in the locker room and, and kind of between the years, which is, Fine. I mean, he's twenty three. Like, what, what were we doing when we were twenty three? We were idiots. I mean, we're still idiots, but like, we were even different kind. Bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, you know, it's it's okay that he might not be peak emotionally mature at twenty three because uh, he's still got a lot of time before he hits his, before he even is out of his prime. So, it's again, it's not like something that I'm like, oh, this is a bad thing, and I don't want to like feel like we're talking like we're on yet, like first take or whatever, but. It's just something I, you know, it was just obvious to notice watching this game. Uh, well, here we are. All right. So <laughs> we have another game on this road trip. They play Saturday night at Utah, and then they play Monday at Detroit. So getting mm-hmm. wins in, in both of those games, because I think it's, I, Luca's going to be sidelined for at least a couple games. And they have, yeah. they, they, they have the, a two-day gap, and then they don't play again until February 2nd. Um and then they head out on a road trip that features a couple of national TV games uh, right before the trade deadline. And I, if the Mavericks are able to win both of these next two games, that would be really, really big because they have, I saw somebody say, I want to say it was my friend, our friend Mavs draft on Twitter. Say, I think he said something about how the Mavericks have an easy schedule to finish the year. And if that were true, which I don't think it is, the Mavericks play really down to their competition. So that's not like, <laughs> that's not like a, a thing that helps them. So I, I don't know. This this is where you see this season going. I'm I'm just really curious. Really, really, really curious because this this next because like the so so just for context where my brain is, Thursday, February 9th is the trade deadline. The trade wins. There's some stuff out there on the map. The Mavericks are involved in every friggin' trade that's on. Like <laughs> it's just the opposite of what we're used to with Donnie Nelson, which I kind of like just from the discourse point of view. But I still don't see anything that really moves the needle. And you know, 
course, last year, the, the Spencer Dinwiddie trade for KP came out of nowhere. There's still, you know, if, if the Mavericks are two to three games over 500 heading into the trade deadline, I which means they've righted the ship with yes, Luca out. <laughs> that's right. And they've held the fort just right. enough and given him time to come back. Then I think the rest of this season bodes fairly well. But if these next five to seven games go sideways, and they very well could, the Mavericks have to have some really serious discussions about what that means for their season. Yeah, the season's on the line right now. Yeah, and I'm not advising tanking. That's not what I'm saying. It's just the Mavericks have had some really tough injury luck this year. And what are they, what are you playing for? Because a four game losing streak puts you at like 10th in the West. It's, it's, it's really frustrating. Yeah. It's, it's going to be close. And at Utah is going to, that's going to be that's a, a much com- harder game than it looks on paper. Yeah. Because Utah, like, again, the Mavericks defense is struggling. Utah's offense is significantly more potent uh, than Phoenix, both yep. in terms of process and just honestly, right now, I think offensive talent with Lori marketing sure. and Jordan Clarkson. Um, having re- you know they're having good seasons. They have people that can pressure the rim. So, so this will, Saturday will be you know if they can get a good defensive performance Saturday, then we could start talking about hey, did they did they figure something out? Is something going on here? Uh, so Saturday will be a really good test for them to see uh, where they're at. Well, and speaking of Saturday, just for scheduling purposes, and I'll announce this on the Spotify Live too, you will probably be doing something yourself Saturday night because I am uh, having to take a quick trip up to see my folks in Kansas City, and that will mean no live show either, but it's a Saturday night, and I have done, I've missed very few live show opportunities in the past two and a half years, so I hope people won't mind. Is there anything else we want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, no, I don't think so. It's it's twelve fifteen, so why don't we want to get going? <laughs> That's right. All right, man. Talk soon, Josh. Thanks yep. so much for hanging out. Uh, everybody, look for the live show a little later, and stop by Mavs Moneyball. We've had some good posts this week. All right, talk to you soon, guys. Bye.